Welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Last episode... We looked at Catholic social teaching themes one through four, and this week we're going to continue that discussion by looking at themes five, six, and seven. Before we get too far into the discussion today, we do want to apologize for some distortion that happened during recording. Um, Somehow the speeds got messed up and the bit in the middle of this one so we just wanted to kind of give you a little heads up before you start um, listening tried editing as much as we could but it just made some of the of it worse please forgive us for this episode and we hope that you can still understand what we're saying and the message that god is trying to speak to you today the fifth theme is the dignity of work and the rights of workers. The economy must serve people, not the other way around. Work is more than a way to make a living. It is a form of continuing participation in God's creation. I think this is the one, I mean, all of them can get very political. Mm -hmm. This is one that can get very political. (laughs) (laughs) It could could go that way. Yeah, Yeah. because what's going on right now. But trying to steer clear of that right now, I'll just say it in general, I think that that's absolutely right. That, you know, there's a lot of talk, well, I guess I'm getting political here, <laughs> there's a lot of talk about, you know, making sure that people have a livable wage and all of that. Um, and then there's also talk about, you know, people not necessarily needing to work and then just kind of being given to them. When thinking about the dignity of the worker and the rights of the workers, I. A couple, it was a few years ago, I watched a documentary about um, the chocolate industry. And it was one of the saddest documentaries I've ever seen in my entire life. Children being sold or kidnapped and brought to these cocoa farms um, in certain parts of Africa and uh, made to work and you know, slave labor. Um, and it didn't go into exactly how they were necessarily like specifically treated on these farms, but um, the idea was that they're not being treated well, obviously. But from that, it was, for me, like, it, it took a little while to get over my selfishness and wanting my chocolate bars. But eventually I stopped eating chocolate and I started going solely for the, the fair trade chocolate. Um, and there, there's many other things that you can go into, you know, from the diamond industry and the clothing industry and all the industries, really, you can look at different areas where around the world people aren't being treated the way that they ought to be treated by um, the governments or by the companies or by whatever else. And so for me, like that, that is a really big one. You know, here in the United States, we're able to just go to the store and we're able to pick up whatever and we don't really know where it comes from. But for me, like really delving into like, where is the, where is the sourced from and what goes into this and how are people being treated? And obviously like, you know, there's so many things in life. I don't know that you can necessarily account for every single little thing, but for me, that's a big part of like, maybe this is getting a little too detailed, but like I typically only buy consignment in clothing because of the things that go on in the clothing industry, unless I need to buy new for like underwear or something like that. 
you know, diamonds are not a thing that I get. Um, different things like that, I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, like, that's not to try to do my own horror or anything or say, like, you know, oh, look what I'm doing to, you know, help people rob or anything like that. It's just to shine a light on there. There are certain things going on in these industries that um, I think that need to be taken notice of. Um, and a lot of the time they're ignored and it's easy to ignore them, especially when you're a world away. Um, but talking about, like, going back to, you know, the talking about the call to family community and participation or whatever, looking at the political lens or whatever, and, you know, even, like, looking at ministries or organizations that help people all over the world and, you know, human rights abuses and things like that. That's, I think that's a, a big thing to look at um, is how, pe- how people are being treated in these industries. Well, and I don't see that as, like, tuning around for anything. I see this as giving people practical things that they can do if they weren't really sure how they could help globally. Well, you can't do everything. Again, like, you can't go and source everything. Um, but... There are small things you can do. Shop consignment. Buy free trade coffee and chocolates. And sometimes they can cost more. And so then we get into sacrifice. Like, is it worth, is, is your chocolate worth extra money? Or is it, if it's not, then you have to sacrifice, you know, do you stop, you know, buying chocolate? And there's some sort of sacrifice happening there. Either you're giving up your chocolate or you are buying, spending the extra money on the free trade stuff. So... I see that as like practical things that people can start looking at, like pick one, two things in your life that I'm going to see how much I can participate globally by just changing this one or two things that I do every day. And from a spiritual aspect, taking a regular, humble and candid look at your consumption um, and what you're consuming, how much of it, when and, and where it comes from is a spiritual practice. Um, moderation goes hand in hand with that. I think with this conversation, that we should, you know, moderation and, how, and looking at the way we are consuming commodities and how that, in effect, in some cases, commodifies, that's even the word, makes a commodity of human beings. You know, so, so it's, it's one of those things that we have to, to check ourselves spiritually lest we become a stumbling block to a little one. Like you said, I mean, things like this, they may not make a huge dent, but if that's what the Lord is calling you to do, and it is to, to, to participate in these efforts to bring awareness and in your own life to, to curb your consumption in order to participate in a more dignified operation, like the you know like the operations that you mentioned, I think it's a really good spiritual practice um, when you're looking at it. When you pull away and you use that global lens to see is what I'm consuming supporting the dignity of workers and, and you know the dignity of the human person in the work that God has given him. Yeah, and I will say too that like I. You know, if it's something that, like, you know, you've understood where, you know, what's going on in the diamond industry or the clothing or the chocolate or whatever, and you choose to consume those products anyways, I think there is something to be said about culpability there. You know, like, you're not the one enslaving children. Sure. You're not the one, you know, poisoning these, you know, families drinking water through the, you know, the, um, through the facilities that are making these certain items for, for sale. Um, so I don't want to say that I'm, you know, saying that, you know, if you consume regular chocolate or if you go to Old Navy or somewhere, you know, if you go to the department store and you buy something new, then that means that, you know, you're a horrible person and not, you know, all of that. I think we're all in different places in our lives. We all know certain things or not. And we kind of weigh the options. Like we're talking about Stacey, you know, like where do I want to sacrifice? What makes sense for me? You know, pray about it and all of that. And so. Well, I think that has to do with like companies also donate to organizations that maybe as a church we don't agree with too, because there have been some things that there, you know, I think everybody kind of knows what I'm talking about. I'm trying not to say new brands, but there are companies out there that donate to certain places and certain organizations that we as Catholics do not agree with. But just because you buy something there doesn't make you a horrible person. And so, or just because you buy something doesn't make you a horrible But it also doesn't make you a fanatic 
for choosing not to go there. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I, I know have many friends who have chosen to not shop at places that I shop at, and I respect their ability to do that. I just haven't come to that that part of my my journey, or it, maybe that's just not part of my journey. That makes there's only so much we can avoid mm -hmm. living in you know, the world. And some of us are better at avoiding some things than the rest than some of the rest of us. And so our point isn't that this is good and this is bad. Our point is is if there's one thing that you can do to make something different, choose that one thing. Don't you know, don't try to do all the things because then you're gonna be stressed out and and yeah. But well and just real quick too, like you're talking about making a person a commodity, it automatically makes me think of the sex industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And talking about dignity of workers because I know there's a lot of feminism, um, like I don't know if you call it new age feminism or what. But that, um, that, you know, if a woman wants to do it and this is the way that she wants to do it, then she's allowed to and you can't say anything about it. You know, saying that she shouldn't do that is really degrading to her. Um, so looking at it from a Catholic lens and saying, you know, like, well, we are body and soul composites. Mm -hmm. You know, we have dignity and we ought to, you know, respect that and, you know, well, the way that we respect it, what you're saying is to not participate in things where a woman, whether of her own volition or not, is violating her own dignity. Mm -hmm. yeah. As Catholics, our witnesses, we don't consume products out of the sex industry and we are loud and vocal about that mm -hmm. because of the way that women are commodified in that industry. We don't participate in it and we speak out against it because whether she's violating her own dignity or someone else is violating her own dignity, it's a complete abruption of anything that is good or beautiful or true or or good for human beings. It is in fact slavery. And I think that a lot of times what like we I don't want to get too much on a tangent, we can talk about it in another episode sometime, but like the feminists that are using that are trying to talk about how the women's body is beautiful. And so they they take this truth and they kind of kind of get twisted around a little bit because we talked about in previous uh, podcast we talked about body image. You know, our bodies are beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with our bodies. But then we want to still, dig, you know, show our bodies dignity and respect, just like we would anybody else's. So I think that's where some of that gets a little lost in translation. Because when people say, "Oh, that you know, Catholics say they're prudish," yeah, well, it's not necessarily that we're prudish. It's because we think that the body is beautiful because God created it. But we think that the body has purpose, certain purposes that we need to we protect and... Uh. Well, we get accused of, Christians in particular get accused of elevating the soul over the body. Mm -hmm. But what happens is these activists, these whoever they are, who are advocating for this type of violation, let's just call it what it is, are elevating the body over the soul. And what we believe as Catholics is that that is a human, it is a body-soul composite to harm one is to harm the other. And a body cannot be violated without the soul also be violated. And what the world tries to do is to separate those two out as much as possible and give all the lens on the emotions and the mental aspect and the physical aspect of the body without the soul aspect. And the two cannot be separated. To try and do so is, you know, it's not possible. So I think that, you know, that's what, what was happening is that they want to, well, these are my rights as a, as a female, as a person with female parts, as a person with a female mind. But you're also more than that, you're a soul. So you can't. Those things have to go together, or the conversation is smooth. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I don't know who this woman is, but it's Cassandra Clare. Um, I've heard this quote before, but I just found out who said it. But she said the best lies are based on the truth, at least in part. And so I think what the, the devil really tries to do is, you know, always takes a little bit of the truth, a little nugget, and so it sounds convincing, and then he warps it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's where it comes from. And we talked a lot on this theme about the like the dignity and rights of workers, but another part of it is the dignity of work itself. Yes. And I think that's mm -hmm. um, a super important aspect of that. And like as a stay-at-home mom. Um, something that like I mean, I'm not working in a job that makes money outside you know but I but my you know finding that dignity in my own work and instilling that in my kids that you know doing laundry is 
an important part of our family yes. and doing that work. There's dignity in that work and, you know, and um, helping with taking out the trash rather than just leaving the trash out so that we can have flies infest our house, um, which happened this week and probably all summer because the summer's been crazy with the flies. I also um, live in a <laughs> <laughs> This is, and I have kids that open the doors and leave yes. it open. All day long. But just passing that on in our little home society, yes. our domestic church, our, you know, like in, that, in our family so that, um, the next generation understands like that we we're passing that on that our work that we do outside is important for all you know for society as whole like we all have our part but also within our family well i think you brought brought home the or the work that we do at home and some of our listeners also work outside of the home and so that, and that tends to be a big division among catholic women too is stay-at-home moms versus the ones who work outside of the home and there's a couple of us in jesus name there's a couple, <laughs> couple of us here that do both and i get like you're, each one of us is called to work in different ways, and we are all called to work in our families. We talked about that earlier, the participation of the community, starting at home and working our way out. And some women are called to be outside of the home. And I know that not everybody believes that, but if we want to respect the dignity of the human person and all people, we have to respect that some people's families need more income than one person can bring in. And we need to respect that they that is a choice that they, as a family, as a couple, have made for their family, or even, you know, I'm sure we have a couple single moms out there too, and they maybe they have to work two or three jobs. I've had students, you know, I'm a former teacher that have I've had students whose parent whose moms worked two or three jobs to support their family, and we have to realize that that is something that we have to respect and not call judgment on. And so I think that's part of what this is. I mean, some of us have a responsibility outside of the home as well to help maybe support our family at home. I don't know, but yeah, there's yeah. there's the dignity of work. It's like it's respected. You know, we are called to work in some way, in some capacity, whether that is um, uh, to bring an income for your family, whether that's the, the, the woman or the man or, you know, both, or, you know, it, it's, it does, you know, we're called to uphold that, that um, those responsibilities for our families, but then there's also the work within the home. So that's all I was wondering, like, from, 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 from my personal perspective. Now, and then my husband, I mean, he's off at work during the day, but still he has a dignity of work at home, too. You know, like, just because, like, just because he is gone doesn't mean that he comes home and doesn't have the responsibility to our family and to, you know, take out the trash, because that is his job. Um, well, that wasn't at all, because, like, seriously, like, in our society, the only thing that is valued is making money. Like, I mean, really and truly, the only thing that is, that is of value is something you can quantify. And that's why we cater, we we run our schools the way that we do. That's why we we talk about how much money we want to make and and what this get, because everything in our life is based on how much we, money we can bring in. And this is going to get into us, like it gets into our brain. And so when Annie's talking about the dignity of work that is unpaid, that has no reward or ability to be measured over time, the t- work that you can't put on a resume, volunteer work. These are things that we need to instill um, in our children that there is work that we do that is a value simply because it is taking care of who we are and in our communities. So. Yeah. And also, right. like, also all jobs in our society that not you know are all important because a lot of times people might look down on like a custodial job or all jobs are important. Our society has to run on people having some having responsibility and doing some kind of job and making sure that wages are fair for, yes. those, for those human beings for with those you know essential jobs who most often are not paid what they are. Yes, what they're worth is well, and not to mention too like talking about the custodial jobs and oh everything every every job is important because it allows society to run. Um, I think, you know, obviously we have, we have a purpose in terms of, you know, working to get to heaven, to work on ourselves and allow God to work on us and can dwell more in us so that we can get to heaven. The spiritual aspect is really important, but in terms of dignity of work itself, that God gave us work to do and that work in and of itself is dignified. It is essential because it gives us purpose. And so for me, like 
you know, having something, not, not necessarily talking about paid work, but some form of work. Yeah, work, mm-hmm. I mean, we go back to this, this description from the U.S. Catholic, the USCCB, is that you know, work is more than a way to make a living. It is a form of continuing participation in God's creation. Mm-hmm. And Perfect. furthermore, in renewing the face of the earth with mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. As we create these pathways in our lives, in our children's lives, as we honor our own work, whatever it is that God puts before us, whether that's paid, unpaid, at home, volunteer, all of this is helping to participate in the salvific purpose of Christ, mm-hmm. which is to renew the face of the earth. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's all beautiful and good. Even the toilet scrubbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sixth theme is solidarity. We are one human family, whatever our national, racial, ethnic, economic, and ideological differences. Yes. We are our brothers and sisters keepers, whatever they may be. And I think that really just sums it up right there. Right. Like, enough said. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter where you come from. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We all have dignity, not from our own doing, but just for the fact that God loves us and he created us. And we ought to treat each other as such. And even, no, even whatever your religious background is. Mm-hmm. And this is where we find the church to be a very, very good mother. Mm-hmm. Um, a good mother facilitates good relationships between the children. And so a good mother tries to get the children to understand each other, to cooperate with each other, to empathize with each other, to become a part, to implicate themselves in each other's struggles. That's what mercy is. It's the very definition of mercy. And what this one does, this tenet, is that it, it sort of reminds us, I think all of these, if they do nothing else in our life, they open our eyes to things outside of our little bubble. Because this doesn't, like I said before, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense until you look at this global church that we're part of, this global brotherhood and sisterhood. And then a lot of these things take on a much more obvious importance. And so the church gives us her wisdom to be able to see each other, to be able to see each other with her eyes, and not just in our own Western American eyes. I think the world actually does a pretty good job of this when there's a disaster of some sort, where something happens and everybody comes together to send supplies, raise money, um, send their first responders to that area. I I really do. I We're not always perfect about it in our like, little communities and things, but when there's usually some sort of disaster, the world tends to band together to help that area. And so I think that that's and it's always nice to see who shows up mm-hmm. when things get really tough. You know? mm-hmm. Even like when they, we've had disasters here in America and some of our enemies have sent help. You know, people we would consider not people that we are in on in an allied relationship with would send their first responders. Well, and even, you know, here, you know we're in Oklahoma, and we've had, we had the, bomb, the Oklahoma State bombing, you know, back in the 90s, and people from all over the world sent things here, and you know, I was, you know, I was just a block out in the blast radius when it happened, I was in school, and just seeing the outpour from people, all the neighboring states sent their firefighters, their nurses, their police came to volunteer, and, and we see, we saw that happen in Haiti when they had the hurricane hit, and, it's just it's really beautiful to see well i will say like in terms of like local community i have seen just like for instance being on facebook and somebody saying hey you know i somebody posting on like a mom's group and saying you know i spent all my money on rent i have you know a week until i get paid i have no food for my children and then there's just tons of people yeah. who are like i will help out i will help out like you know i'll send you pizza or i'll give you some money or do whatever it is that you need to do or somebody passes away or something and then everybody starts pitching in to help them and so even on a local local level it's beautiful families losing their house to fires mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure so it is and i think one thing though that i don't know i don't know if it's harder for y'all and i'm saying this with very much shame but i can look at like the organizations that i can donate to and i'm like you know a quick like you know thing on my phone like send it off to them or whatever like you know on facebook you know send them a quick you know say cash but when it's somebody in my circle and like you know, it has to do with like making food. I'm horrible at making food, and then I just feel bad that I cook them something really crappy. But like, it's <laughs> terrible. But like, like I, I find that harder to help people like directly in front of me. Like, 
I say that with, again, very much shame, but. Oh, I think that's a human thing. I think. Um, Am I not just a horrible person? No. <laughs> I think it's much easier to help the orphans in Russia than Aunt Sally, who's annoying and always in your face, or, or, that, or even just your good friends. It's, it's much easier to help people farther away from your lens than to help us that are right in front of you. It doesn't really make sense, though, does it? Well, no, they're very good. So, yeah, that's pretty normal. Well, and I'll just be honest, this is your brother. Like, all, you know, all of you guys have babies this last year. I, was, I, I constantly think about, well, I didn't, you know, did I do anything for this person? Did I did that? It's like, okay, well, I gave that person clothes. I gave that person diapers. I gave that person a meal. I didn't do the same thing for each of for any of you, actually. But I, but then, you know, I felt bad because I gave this person something, but I didn't give it to this person. I gave this person. But then when I started thinking about it, I was like, I was still helping. I helped it how I could at that time. So I, I do think that that we feel more guilty when it's our circle too and we can't help in the way we want to but that doesn't mean that we're not helping in some way so like maybe maybe just listen to somebody and that was the big help that you gave you just listen to their frustrations and and let them pour out everything their their weariness and but you know it's not giving of yourself isn't always giving something does that make sense and you can't give to everybody but i think the fact that we ask and we have these conversations with in our heads mm-hmm. about did I help enough? What did I do? The fact that immediately when someone's struggling, we automatically go to that zone. Of, okay, what can I do? What can I give? We're looking around our house and trying to figure it out. I think these are clues into what God has programmed in us about being social beings. We know in ourselves, in our DNA, that we belong to one another. We know that. That's why we feel the call. That's why we feel the desire to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And that, even when we do it imperfectly or we don't do what we're supposed to do, it still speaks to God's work in us. It still speaks to the fact that God, Jesus Himself said, "This is how they're going to know." who I am. He didn't say, if you vote a certain way, or if you give to these certain organizations, they'll know that you're that, that you're from me. Jesus said, the way that the world will know that you're mine is the way you love each other. That's how they're going to be. They're going to be like, wait, what? That's different. So there's something in us as Christians, as human beings, even as a global brotherhood that knows that when there is a struggle, we lay down our life. And Catholics especially have a call to mirror that to the world. But it's not always, like you said, it's not always going to look like stuff or an action. Prayer itself, that support that you're talking about, just that holding space. I know in our group, all of us have gone through all kinds of crises and various things in the last year that we've been doing this. And at all these different times, there was a a sort of umbrella of holding up underneath. Everybody was participating in the support of the person who was struggling. They were thinking of them. They were asking questions. They were following up. They were checking on them. And there's just these little communities that we built with each other give us windows into what we should be doing. And I think that's what we're supposed to be doing, is building these little communities everywhere we are where we're supporting each other. And then the world says, oh, oh, wow, oh, that's that's different. They're really like going all out to support each other. But that's, that, that's the design. And compassion means to suffer with. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we're talking about having solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Christ, I mean, we are one body. Our church, this church is one body. And when, when one part of that body suffers, we all, you know, are to... Mm-hmm to suffer with them and to bring, um, you know, if that is bringing aid in some way like that we can, it, or that, you know, that may be it, but it also just may be to, to, to suffer, to pray, you know. The mystical aspect of it. Yeah. Mother Teresa used to talk about this. I loved this. And she used to say that when she couldn't go to be with someone or a community that was suffering, she would close her eyes and send her heart, her spirit, to fly over that, that person and just hover there and pray over them and lay hands on them. And I thought that was so beautiful. Like, that we are so deeply connected. Like, we tonight, there are Christians that are literally living in fear for their lives in Afghanistan. You want to talk about persecution? That's persecution. We a whole lot of talk about persecution in this country in the last year, religious persecution. That is persecution. But we can go there spiritually. We can go there in our hearts and hover over those people and pray over them. And I really, truly believe that that's not make-believe. I really believe the Holy Spirit inspires that, empowers that, 
and gives breath to that and sends comfort to those people. Well, I think that that also goes back to what you were saying earlier about we're programmed a certain way. And that's why when we know somebody's hurting, they're on our minds. Mm -hmm. We think about them. We don't always know what to do, but they're on our hearts, they're on our minds, they're in our prayers. And sometimes, eh, worry's the wrong word, but they're constantly with us. With us. And those when they're having hard times, and even though we don't know what to do, it's, we feel that way because they are a part of us. And as we have have seen, which is interesting, with all the social teaching themes, is that we are a community. We are body, soul, composite. We are one body in Christ and, and, and as humans. Because this includes non-Christians. Yeah. That's the other thing. Is I think a lot of times we see things through our Catholic world. And we forget that, well, I don't think we forget. I think we know that there's non-Catholics in the world. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, but we, they're included in this body. And I think that's one reason why we talk about evangelization and things like that, too, because we want the body to be whole again. We want everybody to be working towards heaven together, working towards God. And I think that solidarity has a lot to do with that. I feel like some of us are called to be, to go out there and be you know, missionaries in the world, but many of us are called to be like St. Therese and have her own little way of helping. The patroness of missionaries, mm-hmm. and she never left her convent. That says something about the power of the mystical body of Christ. I almost just has the last one, so beautiful. Theme number seven is care for God's creation. We show our respect for the Creator by our stewardship of creation. Care for the earth is not just an earth day slogan, it is a requirement of our faith. Yeah, I would agree that it's a requirement of our faith. And again, this is one that again can get very political, especially right now because there's a lot going on with, you know, like global warming and drilling. Yeah, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a lot of division in that and a lot of heated debates and such like that. But kind of taking away the specific like political applications of all of that, like I do think that it is a requirement of our faith because God gave us his good. And he like, he created the world in six days. Seventh day he looked at it and said, you know, it is good. And it is a gift to us that he gives us. And so what we do with it is really showing, it's really a way of showing God either respect or showing disrespect for what it is that he's created and for his creativity, I guess. Well, to be yeah. honest, this is the one that we do the worst job at catechizing about, which mm-hmm. is probably why the Holy Father wrote the entire encyclical about taking care of you mm-hmm. because no one was talking about it and no one's doing a very good job. <laughs> so it's like, okay, so, it seems like you guys may not be understanding this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember a while back I started putting all of my raw meats in glass jars because I was trying mm-hmm. to find a way to like reduce consumption mm-hmm. and um, I got made so much fun of, oh my gosh, people were just making fun of me left it right when I heard about it and felt like a tree hugger and I'm like, yeah. but. Yeah, I've always been a little bit like that. I used to work as a waitress, and I brought a bin in, and I wanted everybody to put their, like, we did milk and juices and things like that, and I was like, put your recyclables in the bin, and I'll go recycle them, because the boss said he wouldn't bring recycling bin in. Um, and so, like, I've always been a little bit on the, you know, Pope Benedict XVI in uh, Charity and Truth said, on this earth there is room for everyone. Here the entire human family must find the resources to live with dignity through the help of nature itself. God's gift to his children and through hard work and creativity. At the same time, we must recognize our grave duty to hand the earth on to future generations in such a condition that they too can worthily inhabit it and continue to cultivate it. Somebody who likes meteorology and climatology, I can get into a lot of sciencey stuff that I won't hear, but. Um, we do have a responsibility for keeping the earth livable for future generations, whether that is with the types of energy that we're using and consuming at, the only word that's coming to mind right now is crazy rates. Uh, I, 
there's not like necessarily a good or bad form of energy and that's debatable also but I think that our consumption the amount of yeah. consumption of certain types of energy can be reduced a little bit and you know but even going back to just community you know going out with your kids or your church for community service day and picking up trash at the park or going by if you're in a coastal area going down the beach and picking up trash just take a you know trash bag and my kids have these little claw hands and we go down our the little, little toy claw things they're specifically for when we go on our walks down our street and i live in a rural area and you would be surprised at how much trash is down our street i think we fill two trash bags almost every time we go for a walk and um just doing you know small things I would, we can't change everything, but our actions are, ref again, a reflection of, of our views of the world. So if we're going out there and picking up trash, we're telling others we care enough to pick up some things. And maybe they'll go, huh, that's a good idea, and they'll try it. We go camping with our kids, and one of the rules of going to our campsite, you know, when we, we leave it, looking better than when you got there. And sometimes that's a lot harder than than um, than other places because there have been places where it was pretty bad. Um, but just you know, te you know, respecting that this earth is we're not the only ones on it, um, and that it does need to be passed down to to other generations and um, that. God created us to be, or and gave us here to be, you know, to be good stewards. Um, he, you know, created the garden for Adam and Eve and told them to, you know, take care of it. And that's what we're need to keep up with. I mean, even if you look at animal husbandry, um, a lot of times, you know, people don't think about what goes into raising livestock. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, a rancher does not just have a whole bunch of cows or a bunch of sheep or whatever animal they're raising. They, there are good practices for raising healthy animals that will be good for later consumption. So they, yes, we may be eating the products of their work, but at the same time, they have to treat those animals with some respect and so that they can produce a good product in the end um, that is healthy for consumption by other humans. So we have to do the same thing with the earth. We do our best to taking care of our space. And, and this is a, probably a cliche, but like cleanliness is close to godliness. But if we go back to that first tenet of every place that we are is holy ground um i tell i tell my kids this is the space that we are in the space that we're occupying is it worthy of god's presence there and you know our lives are busy and we can't worry about everything but when we have the time to think about it is are we reflecting god's love 
in all aspects of our life is what these seven these seven themes come down to are we treating people with dignity are we treating ourselves with dignity are we treating the space that god has gifted us with dignity our actions will trickle down and reflect god's love to others do you want to learn more about um catholic social teaching there's a lot of good resources at catholic relief services crs.org there's some great discussion guides on each of the themes and there are reflection points um, quotes from scripture and um, saints and popes and different encyclicals and things to um to kind of guide you and as always thank you for joining us thanks thank you join us again in two weeks until then May God bless you and may Mary accompany you.